Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm smiling because I know what my homily is going to be about and you don't, but... uh, I'm smiling because uh, hearing all the kids and things like that, you'll see why I'm laughing at the beginning of my homily. Basically, the homily is about silence and solitude. <laughs> so you can enjoy, be on the joke early on. All right. But let's start. So it's not too long ago, and if you're born after 1995, you don't have any memories of this. Okay, so some of you are like, well, great, this homily's not for me. Most of us, you'll remember this. There was a time where you would go into a coffee shop And you couldn't go to like the grab-and-go section because there was no phones with apps to order ahead of time. You had to go in the line. And then if there was like five or six people ahead of you, you had to just wait in line. And as you waited, there was nothing to do because you didn't have a smartphone yet. You had to just wait for coffee like a weirdo. (laughs) And extroverts in the line began to talk to strangers, and introverts began to pray, God, why is this person talking to me? And it was part of being human, all right? It was a great experience of being human. You couldn't speed anything up. It wasn't up to you. You weren't in control. You had a hope and a desire, and you had to wait your turn for that hope and desire to be fulfilled and met. Let's add another one. I can remember when TV shows were 30 minutes long, interrupted by three commercial breaks where you would run to the bathroom as fast as you can, or you would try to get food, a little refill on a drink, whatever, and get back because there was no such thing as pausing TV. Also, if you missed that episode, you just missed it. That was it. You never got to know what is again. It was gone. And maybe at work, people would fill you in on what happened, Because you had to wait a whole week to get the storyline going again because you couldn't stream anything. TV was not within your control or mine. You had to just suffer the waiting of the next thing. You had hopes to know how the season ended. Sometimes we had to wait months because it was summertime. It didn't come back out to the fall. Not to mention tablets, emails, smartphones, video game systems, you name it, this is the world we're in now. Right? And you can like, have a little Andy Rooney moment. If you're old enough, you know what that means. All right? I'm only old enough because I studied comedy. But you can have a little Andy Rooney moment and reflect on the past and the golden days. But they're gone. And some of us here need to really accept that. You can't get it back in the can. It's gone. And once we accept that, we can then start to navigate and respond to what does it look like to be human now? And more importantly, how is God showing us how to live in this time period? So when God gave us Jesus, his only begotten son, and united him to our human nature, he didn't just give us another teacher. He primarily was our savior. And he saved us through his death and resurrection so that we could have the hope of life everlasting. But also, he gave us in Jesus a lifestyle, to use a modern word. He gave us a way of living that if we were to imitate, 
we would discover how we were made and we'd begin to live in line with our design and we would find peace, joy, meaning, and happiness. But oftentimes, we don't actually imitate Jesus' lifestyle. We try to avoid sin, which is really good, but some of the more obvious things we just kind of forgot about. And tonight, or this morning, excuse me, I'll submit to you that the technological culture we live in is intentionally against a major part of Jesus' life, which was silence and solitude. Now, if you're a busy parent, you're like, I, there's no way. Just bear with me, all right? I, I'm with a lot of families a lot of times, so I have some ideas for you, but you got to ride the ride all the way to the end, okay? Here we go. So, Jesus, in today's gospel, it says he went away, all right, to a deserted place. He went up a mountain to pray. Now, that's not like a one-time thing for Jesus. It was like he went on retreat once in high school, and it was nice. This is a regular part of his life. In fact, this is Matthew chapter 14. Just a few paragraphs before this, in chapter 14, St. John the Baptist is beheaded. They tell Jesus, and it says, he withdrew to be alone. So he stepped away from everyone's expectations, the pressures put on him. He stepped away from all the noise, and he got alone with his father to pray. Coming out of that moment of being alone, he feeds 5,000 people, performs a miracle. He dismisses them all, gets rid of the apostles. Now he goes up a mountain to be alone with the Father and pray again. After a long time of prayer, he's now walking on water, performing the miracle of walking on water. It's all within one chapter. Jesus withdrawing and then coming out of this alone time, clarified, settled, joyful and potent during the time of prayer he's just with the father vulnerably listening sharing entering in from there he's on a mission that's meaningful joyful and healing for others this isn't just this chapter though after he's baptized he goes into the desert for a month and a half praying, fasting, alone with his Father, and it's from that place of deep spiritual like sensitivity to the Father, he then defeats Satan's attacks. Coming out of there, he does a whole day of ministry, and I mean a whole day. We're talking 18 hours probably. Casting out demons, forgiving sins, reminding people of their dignity, showing the face of the Father, letting them know they're a part of the kingdom now. They're not just in the world. They're now a part of the kingdom of God. He goes to bed for a little bit. It says he wakes up really early and goes to be alone to pray with the Father. If anyone deserved a brunch and maybe a morning run or watch a little golf, it was Jesus. But that's not where he went to be recharged. He went to be alone in silence and solitude, always coming out of those moments settled, clarified, loved by the Father, and potent. You and I, we have no moments where things aren't going on because not only are people needing things from us, when we do have alone time, first thing we do, scroll. It's called doomsday scrolling, right? We just scroll, look at all the things we possibly could look at. Then we get jealous and pretend we're not, so then we do filters and post our own pictures. We let other people decide what our moods are, our values are. Are we keeping up with this person? Are we not? 
It used to be bad 50 years ago. Now it's social media everywhere. And then we begin to ask, I don't know why there's so much mental health struggles. We all go, we don't know. No idea why. Maybe it's because we're not living in line with the way we're designed. And maybe God has already done something about it. He gave us Jesus and said, like, he's our role model. We used to use words like role models and heroes. We don't use those anymore. But he's the one we're meant to imitate because in imitating him, what's in his heart over time enters ours. Being settled, free, peace, clarity, and a potent mission of living a life of meaningfulness in this world to the glory of God. So Jesus shows us this time of prayer, and there's a lot of things we can say about this, but I just want to say one thing about prayer. Numerous people that I know in the church have said, Father, I've tried to pray and nothing happens. So, well, first off, let me just say, good job trying. And you're not that unique. Every saint has that experience. Saints, mystics go, I tried to pray and nothing happened. The difference is they kept at it. Do you know why nothing happens when you go to pray? Because probably another 18 hours of your life, you're in charge. You and I live our lives like we're in charge. We text when we want. We respond to emails when we want. We watch the show we want. We never have to feel like we're waiting in line because we can distract and numb ourselves through any technological means. Anything unpleasant making us feel like we have to wait, like we have limits, like we have to depend and trust. We numb that experience out with a slew of technology. We're habituated to think that way. And then after that, we go to be alone with God for five minutes, ten minutes, we go, oh, nothing happened. It's because we're not in charge of God. We aren't in control of prayer. We enter into it, and we can learn over time how to be attentive. But the most fruitful prayer times are where we are the most vulnerable, where we embrace that we are utterly dependent on the one we're addressing totally waiting on God to respond. Maybe the first thing he's trying to show all of us is the way you're living isn't going to help you in this kind of prayer. You need a different set of skills, one that's not afraid of your weaknesses and vulnerabilities, but sees them as the place that draws God in with tenderness but we can't hide them and ask him to do all sorts of stuff for us. We need to learn how to bring them before him. So two things about parents and the modern world and how uh, crazy it is, for lack of a better term. Okay, great. First thing's this. Parents, I'm, I'm not a parent, as you know, okay, at least not a physical one. And I'm a spiritual, you guys call me father, I'm a spiritual parent, so this is dad moments where I get to talk to you, Okay. I'm around a lot of parents. I vacation with parents with six kids, five kids, so I see it. I'm around it. I get a little glimpse of what it's like, and I'm happy at the life I chose, okay? <laughs> just, want, just want I want to let you know. It's very beautiful what you have. I think it's awesome. I'm glad God called you to that, but I'm glad I'm called to this. No, what I want to say is this. There are some fights that you're having with your kids. They're not necessary. 
They're getting you upset. They're not worth it. Okay? Like, did you take a shower? Did you bathe? Did I, I told you to bathe. And then you get all mad and you say, let them be the smelly kid. Okay? When they get old enough, they're going to like a girl or a guy. And they're going to say, hey, do you want to go on a date? And they're going to be like, no, you're the smelly kid. And they're going to start showering so much because they're going to want the romance. Right? Tell them to bathe. Encourage them to. Might not be as important for you to lose your mind over those things. But it is absolutely correct to lose your mind over their relationship with technology. It is worth the fight, moms and dads. That area is worth it. Not only is it rewiring brains, making them addicts at 10 and 11 years old of dopamine due to the stimulus of video games and TV screens and text messages and social media bings, it's also teaching them a way to be human that is inconsistent with the way we're created and the example of our Savior Jesus. That's worth the fight. Okay? Did you know people who started all the big tech companies in the Silicon Valley, they don't let their kids go to schools where they have screens? You can look it up, 100% true. Steve Jobs when he was alive, all the, they would not let their kids go to schools where there were screens, yet they invented all of it. Maybe that's worth taking note of, what they know what they're doing and yet what they'll protect their own kids from. All right, that's the first one. Second one's this. Busy families, I'm not asking you to be alone in silence for hours a day. That's irresponsible, rude, and just not possible. But 10 minutes you can find. Spouses can help each other to give each other the gift of 10 minutes. Maybe for you, the silence is, if you go to work every day, maybe one of the travel ways to work, you do it in silence. Not calling people, not listening to talk radio or listen to music or podcasts or books on tape. You're just going to do it in silence and suffer the uncomfortableness of, I don't know how to be alone. And God, I really honestly don't even know if you're here. That's why I hate this moment so much. Enter into that. That's real. We got to process those experiences if we're going to be authentic. We got to share them with the Lord, but first we have to feel them. Right? Ten minutes at the end of the day, kids go to bed if they're little. They take naps, mom. Or they go off to school soon. Good news for I know for many of you. Or some of you wake up early with a cup of coffee. Ten minutes alone of silence with our God right, is a non-negotiable for calling yourself a Christian. Why? Because Jesus did it. He did way more than ten. If the church is going to have any hope in the future of being the church that converts the nations, we have to look like the one we follow. We have to look like Jesus. And if we look like Jesus, we have to imitate his lifestyle. And if we're going to imitate his lifestyle, one of the major things he did is he got away from everyone and everything and was alone. He learned how to navigate silence and to receive the Niagara Falls version of love and grace that the Father offers you and me. I said this last Mass, and I say it gently. If you can't find 10 minutes a day, I know two things about your life. You're haunted by unhappiness, and is this really all there is? And the second thing is, is you're just too busy. Don't be too busy for God. He has all of eternity he wants to spend with you. He's not too busy for you and me. And he thinks you're worth spending time with. Develop this little practice of Jesus. And that plus the time every day, 
you'll begin to notice the fruits of peace, joy, and a clarity of mission that makes you potent in this world. Amen.